Hey, what's up out there? This is Japan Nick of Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium. Just starting off the show. Now, pretty much we're doing a number of interviews with a number of musicians tonight.、Uh, I got my good buddy Rob Orr from Zamboni coming in real, real soon.、Uh, I have musicians from, let's see, the lead singer of the Crumb Bumps, Dave Teos at eight. Uh, we've got Rorg, Hudson Valley、uh, Thrashers.、Um, and also, 9 p.m. is Conrad, the guitarist of Diamond Plate. And also, possibly Neil Winnell calling in too. And me and Rob are going to be、uh, handling the phone lines and just enjoying conversation about the Thrash Bash barbecue this year. All right, now, let me just get things moving. And here we go. Station IDs for a bit. This is Japan Nick. Tune into my show Friday nights, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for music ranging from black thrash, speed metal, doom, sludge, and stoner metal. Check out my interviews at theaquarian.com, soundcloud.com, slash japan nick, and go to my website at japannick.com. Remember to like the Facebook page at Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium. And follow me on Twitter at Japan Nick. Stay heavy. This is、uh, dissector. Right over there. You can't. No, he ran away. And we are ghoul. This is Gatonic Cortez from Taking Over. Hey, this is Dave Chaos from the Crumbums, and you are listening to WMSC with my good homeboy, Nick. Hey, this is Carlos Ray Lotto from Bond of Our Blood. Hi, this is Yoshi. Um, John Martin, pianist from Ex Japan. This is Rat Skates of Overkill. Hey, hey, what do you say, boys and girls? This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. This is Craig Owens, singer for Chiodos. This is the great Tacky Toy Shredder! This is Dax Riggs. But you're listening, and maybe looking at things while you're listening to Japan Nick's rock and metal pandemonium. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> This is Dan Wetmore of Magic Ritual, and you are listening to Japan Nick's rock and metal pandemonium. This is Max Gosha from Ministry and Rigor Mortis. Hey, this is Casey Orr from Rigor Mortis, War, Ministry, the hell you.、Yeah. This is Harden Harrison from Rigor Mortis. This is Bruce Corbett of Rigor Mortis and War Beast, and you are listening to Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium. This is、uh, Sarke, I'm Nocturnal on vocals. I am Sarke, I play bass. And you are listening to Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium. This is the Sister 666 from the Network Drums and Cemetery Lust. And you're listening to Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium.
Hey, we're back. It's Japan Nick of Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium. We just heard recently Savor the Torture from Steelburn Hand, Witch Haven with Faces of Death, and Puppets on a String from Witch Haven. Now, it's about 7.18 p.m., and I have my good buddy Rob Orr from Zamboni. Um, Rob, give me a brief so, description of yourself as a musician and promoter in the greater New Jersey, New York area. Uh, well, I've been in Zamboni for since 2010, so almost five years now we've been going. Um, we've been playing all kinds of local shows throughout our whole career. Um, and uh, I play guitar, uh, and that's pretty much it. You know, We're working on our first album right now. We have a couple other releases, demo and EP. Um, but now we're actually, you know, working on our first serious, you know, release now. Um, and, uh, we also organize the Thrash Bash Barbecue every, that's been happening every year. Um, so, yeah. Oh, keep going, keep going. Um, Tell us about some of the highlights of that. Oh, well, basically the Thrash Bash Barbecue is a gathering of local musicians, um, local, like, metal musicians of, you know, different genres, uh, Last year we had like a hardcore punk band, um, but you know mostly like heavier music. And uh, basically, what we do is we come up to my place up in Sussex County, where there's no one around, and we cook some food and play loud music all day long into the night. Now, the Thrash Bash has been going on for how many years? Uh, we started it back in 2011, so this will be its fourth year uh, coming up. Um, and it has grown like exponentially since the first day or first year. Um, the first year, I mean, we were lucky if we had maybe thirty or forty people yeah. there. It was raining. We were in a tiny little garage. It was, and it was small. Like we had one grill, I think, and we were, yeah. we were basically just doing some burgers and like sausages and hot dogs and nothing real special. Um, second year got a little bigger. We brought up some deep fryers, did some like you know like deep fried hot dogs, chicken wings, that kind of thing. Um, and then last year was the biggest we've had yet. We had a huge grill set up, a huge, um, big, like one of those flat, uh, cook, fry cook things that you would see in like a burger joint, uh, you know, deep fryers. And we were cooking all kinds of, we had gyros, we had burgers, we had steak sandwiches, basically like any kind of grill food you could think of. Um, and there was a huge amount of people there. You know, we played outside under a tent this time. So it's, it's been getting bigger and bigger every year, pretty much. Describe the logistics of this event. Um, well, it's pretty much just me and Chris and uh, my bandmate. And, uh, you know, once in a while we have some extra help from, you know, one of our friends or, uh, you know, something like my dad always comes up early to help us out, set up and all that. And he usually cooks all all day long. Mm. Um, so it's, it's basically just like a, a three or four man operation. Um, even, you know, when we clean up and stuff, it's, you know, it's just the three or four of us, you know, and that's, we just try to run the whole thing as best we can. Now, I guess, can you speak about the original inspiration for this event? Um, basically we wanted to have a DIY kind of show, um, that was outside that we can invite all our friends and it was more of like a party atmosphere than, than an actual show. You know, there wasn't like... We weren't going to sell tickets to it. It wasn't about making money. It was just about, like, inviting some cool bands over and having a good time and, you know, just playing music. Um, and we were originally going to have it at our buddy's house in Clifton, but then, you know, things fell through with that. So I'm like, hey, you know, why don't we do it up by my house? Because 
you know, I don't really have any neighbors. I live in the middle of Sussex County where there's like nothing but farms. So uh, we were like, oh, yeah, we'll just do it up there. And it just grew into, the, you know, this big thing. You know, we I don't think we ever expected it to to get as big as it has within the local scene. Um, you know, this is just two guys that's, that wanted to play some music on a summer day outside. You know, this isn't like, you know, some kind of crazy thing. And it's it's grown into like this uh, bigger and bigger as the years have gone on. So Definitely. Um, it's just with these types of things, it's like they – they always grow every year because people see an event and it's like, oh, it's the first time ever, whatever. Then they say, oh, it's been going on for a year. You get a little bit of traction and everybody that went to those events is telling their buddies about it. Yeah, yeah. And um, in time, y- you really start to see some big growth. Yeah. But um, what types of things have you tried to use just to make it bigger every year? Um. Well, basically, you know, we always try to, like, you know, think of, like, good marketing things we're going to do. Um, you know, what, what we're going to call it is always a big thing, you know. Try to come up with, like, a funny name for it. And, um, like, the second the second year we did it was Thrash Bash 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're, we're, we just try to, like, make it, like, fun and not, like, the serious thing. And, you know, we try to distribute flyers, you yeah. know, in, in places like music stores stuff like that where we know people that like this kind of music would would be and hang out and um you know just getting better bigger bands you know uh at least trying to get bigger bands you know to play the bill you know to kind of bring some notoriety now rob what do you think um would be some good music to play to promote some of the bands that you're hoping to book for this event um well, I think like uh, Witchhaven uh, would be a great uh, thing to play because um, that's the one band that, with our through our Kickstarter for this year, we're hoping to uh, if we do make the goal, we're hoping to invite Witchhaven to headline it. So we're we're looking for for Witchhaven, um, possibly Incinerator uh, from Texas. Uh, we were hoping maybe to even get them to come out if we make our goal. Um, so uh, you know stuff like that. All right. Rob, important question. Yeah. Dawn of the Unholy or Empty Chasm? Uh, I'm thinking Dawn of the Unholy. Good choice. Here we go. And you're listening to WMSC 90.3. This is Japan Nick interviewing Rob War of Zamboni, Eldritch Abomination, and the Thrash Bash Barbecue. Stay tuned to WMSC 90.3. And if anybody wants to call in for any questions, um... Call in now at 973-655-4256. Here we go.
Hey, we're back. This is Japan Nick of Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium, speaking with uh, Zamboni guitarist Rob Orr, as well as Eldritch Abomination frontman and leader, one of the leaders of the Thrash Bash Barbecue. Now, Rob, what would be a cool movie that you'd look at to describe the situation you're in trying to make this happen? Well, I think the obvious answer is Wayne's World 2 um, with Wayne Stock. Um, Obviously not quite on that scale, though. You know, we're not trying to get Aerosmith to come play, you know. Jim Morrison didn't come with me or come to me in a dream with a naked Indian, you know. So, um, but maybe yeah. Maybe next year. Yeah, ma- maybe next year that'll happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, just that, the whole, the theme of, you know, trying to put on your own concert, you know, and getting, trying to promote, like, maybe your local music scene a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what we want to do is be like uh you know try to promote the the local scene as best we can and if we can eventually grow this into like a big festival you know maybe at a fairground or something you know that'd be awesome you know um it could be you know the next mdf you never know yeah like i'd say if you were really really thinking of some crazy crazy success being able to rent out the Sussex County Fairgrounds for yeah. a few days. Yeah, um, we would love to do that, but I hear it's, like, super, super expensive. So that would be, like, you know, way... If we continue this, it'd be way down the line, you know, yes. once once we can get, like, a huge following together and maybe, like, get a really big Kickstarter, you know, because that would be thousands and thousands of dollars, I'm sure. Um, just, just for the, the fairgrounds alone, not even, you know, let alone getting bands and, and putting up a stage and all that, you know? Definitely. And, um... What have been some lessons that you learned over the past three or four years uh, of things that you will do as well as won't do when it comes to this year's event? <clears throat> well, um, definitely after last year. Um, last year we had, it was not only an event that was happening that week, but we had also been recording our album. Um, so we were super busy the whole week. Um, didn't have a lot of time to prepare things for the event because we were working on the album. Uh, there was uh, a family emergency that our, our drummer had, so he had to leave. We ended up having to use a, uh, a replacement drummer. Um, so it was just like a really, like, it was too crazy for us. So this year, instead of trying to do, like, all this stuff in, in one week, we're probably going to each take a couple days off the, the a few days before the event just to set things up, um, make sure everything's working, do sound check, rehearsal, all that. And then that way, you know, the day of the event, we can get there early, just basically throw everything out, you know, hook everything in and, you know, start grilling or start the grills up, you know, and by the time people get there, everything will be rocking, you know, Um, because there was a lot of scrambling around last year that we had to do and it was super stressful. Uh, Me and Chris were ready to just like, you know, curl up in a ball. (laughs) But um, I mean, we we were able to get it done and it turned out to be the best one yet. So uh, hopefully with this year us actually focusing all our energy into just the thrash bash, we'll be able to make it even better. Definitely. I can really appreciate what you're saying. Just anytime you make changes, you have to get ready for those changes. Yeah. And it's just like you you learn every step of the way. And then when you make those changes, you're going to figure out, Hey, I just made a new mistake that I never even thought about. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's a learning experience. It's been a learning experience since day one, you know? Um, when the first year we did it, it was, like, completely, like, unorganized. Like I said, it was not anything big. We were just wanted to play some music in a garage, basically, and, you know, invite some people over to grill. 
But and it turned out like you know it, it was a mess because the rain happened, so not a lot of people showed up, and we were scrambling like yes, yes, it's still on, it's still on. There is, we have a garage to like set up in, so you guys still come out and play. Um, and people were like so confused; they weren't sure if we were gonna actually do it or not. Um, and then like just having like a tiny little grill where we could barely cook anything and stuff. We'd, you know, we were lucky we got like, you know, five burgers done by the time, you know, people were actually like, you know, the first band was already like packing up to leave and stuff to go home. Um, but yeah, so just like these little, like, you know, we're, we're taking baby steps, I guess, you know, while we, while we do this, you know, we're, we're, we're learning as we go. So it's, it's been a, it's been an interesting process for us. I would say, um, what is some food or condiments or drinks that you'd recommend people to bring just to make barbecue good? Because, like, if you're coming around, you should be bringing something, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Um, we prefer it if people actually like make something because, like I said, we have a grill going all day long, so we're gonna have burgers, we're gonna have probably like French fries, stuff like that, going all day. Um, you know, maybe gyros again this year, something like that. So. You don't necessarily have to bring like like a thirty pack of burgers like or something like that because you know we'll have that. It's more you want to if you want to like make something. So if you guys want to make like you know a salad or a coleslaw or something homemade, you know something like that. That's great. Or even if you want to just bring like a gallon of coleslaw, that's fine. You know that still counts as something you brought. And as far as drink goes, I mean it's up to whatever you guys want to drink. I mean we prefer it if you're going to bring alcohol that you also bring something non-alcoholic because not everybody drinks. Not everyone's over the you know of the legal age to drink that goes to these shows. Um, so we prefer it if you know if you want to bring like a thirty pack of beer or something like that, bring like a twelve pack of Coca Cola or Sprite or something like that. Yeah, personally, I'm thinking about making a crock of chili this That's year. That's a good idea. Yeah. And uh, just loved chili. <laughs> and uh, personally with me, I like using Carol Shelby's mix. Like, how often do you make chili, Rob? I don't ever make chili, actually. I've never made chili in my life. It's a learning experience. I'm sure it is. <laughs> like, you know how it is yeah. doing something new. Like, it, it it's rough. But um, yeah. pretty much that was just one of my favorite activities, like, just growing up, just hanging out with my dad. Uh, let's see. Tell me, what would be a brand new thing going on this year for the event? Um, well, besides the Kickstarter, we're doing to try to get these uh, bigger bands that are nationally touring bands out. Um, we're going to try to like rearrange things a little bit with the tents and where bands are going to be playing and then where we're going to be cooking and the parking situation. Because um, last year when, we, when bands first started arriving, the first couple bands uh, went played actually facing out to the towards like the grass in the backyard but nobody was back there pretty much most of the people were out you know you know amongst the cars talking with their friends and stuff so and then eventually we just turned all the the monitors and speakers and amps around and the drums around and you know they played to this towards those people Mm. um so maybe this year we were going to try to like set up the band in an area where you know, everybody on the in the driveway could see them, and they're not going to be like in the way of like people who want to park, and not in the way of the food or anything like that. So it's more of like you know, the band will be in one corner, food will be in another corner, and then people can go in between the bands and the food freely. Um, and then we'll probably use the garage like we did last year as like a staging area, kind of just like load your gear in there when you're ready to go, just load it right back out onto the the driveway, um, weather permitting, obviously, you know. 
you have a Kickstarter and you're trying to raise two thousand dollars yes. for this to get a few bands to come over. Yeah. Specifically Witch Haven, yes. Incinerator and Blood Feast. Yes. Uh explain how you see the winning strategy happening. It's going to be tough because uh, so far we've only had three backers. We're only up to $146. Um, so, I mean, we're just like literally like as much as we can just pushing it, you know, posting it in like the DIY groups uh, in New Jersey, trying to like, you know, get it onto like people's radio shows, you know, like posting it on blogs and stuff like that. Because, you know, we're hoping that even if someone is, you know, a fan of Witch Haven in like, you know, California – and is not necessarily going to come to the Thrash Bash. You know, maybe they'd be like, oh, this is a cool event. Like, you know, I'd like to get this, make this happen, you know. Um, especially because we have some really cool rewards. You know, we have t-shirts. Uh, we have, like, a Thrash Bash uh, compilation disc that we're going to do if it actually we pass the Kickstarter. Um, and we're, we were hoping as kind of like a, a stretch goal, but not really stretch goal. Um, if we actually did make the 2000, we were going to try to make it into a two-day event. Um, you know, so have like Witch Haven, the big headliners, the one day, and then the second day for more like the local, we're still going to have the local bands on the first day, yeah. but the second day would be like the lo- really like just the local, you know, a lot of the more of the local bands or even if Witch Haven was still around, if they wanted to play again, you know, um, yeah, maybe they'd want to do another set. A yeah, different it's, set. it's possible, possible. Um, so, you know, there's that, um, other than that, you know, I don't know. Just just trying to push it as best we can is basically what we've been trying to do. Um, it's hard though, you know. It's it's tough when to try to get people to you know get into something that's mostly unknown. Besides in the locals, the local metal scene, you know, it's even there's even a lot of people in the local metal scene that have never heard of the Thrash Bash. Um, so you know, it's just trying to push that like whole thing. Like, ooh, this is a cool DIY event, and it's completely DIY, completely free. Um, and we're trying to just, you know, grow it and make it bigger and, and better than ever. So now I guess supposing you do raise over $2,000 or more, explain what kind of things will happen beyond what you've spoken about. Um, well, we're going to, obviously besides the bands, we're going to keep, try to, um, you know, get some, you know, use that, some of that money towards food, uh, possibly building a stage of some sort. You know, again, this is just like ideas we've had. Um, most of it is going towards the bands. So, you know, after we've paid the bands and stuff and, and they get their fair share, then whatever's left, we'll decide, are we going to put it towards the food? Are we going to put it towards, um, you know, building a stage or something like that? Um, we're not necessarily, you know, saying like, this is definitely what's going to happen. You know, we just, this, the 2000 is definitely for the bands though. That's, that's what, you know, we're trying to do. The, the bands come first, whatever else come second now what would be another song to listen to rob <laughs> i don't know uh do you have something from incinerator maybe i don't know um not sure about incinerator uh let me take a look at my list of stuff um why don't we play a track from black fast sounds That's good an exciting metal band from st louis that i really am very interested in seeing whenever they can find their way to the new york area sweet um, terrifically amazing stuff. One of the coolest things to come out of the Midwest, I nice. feel like, since Diamond Plate. Nice. Really, really have a lot of respect for these guys. Yeah. Here we go with Black Fast from their 2011 EP. Here is, hmm, Skeleton Key. Stay tuned to WMSC 90.3 in Upper Montclair, New Jersey. All right, Black Fast on WMSC 90.3.
All right, we're back, and you just heard music from Blackfast with Skeleton Key. Now, Blackfast is a St. Louis uh, thrash metal band, and they were recently signed, I believe, to E2 Recordings, and they should have an album out later this year, so definitely take a look at those guys, because they're really killer. Definitely one of the most exciting new bands to pop up in America these days. Now, Rob, where were we before we went to the music? Um, I think we were talking about what we plan to do with the, if we raise the money. I see. Okay. Looking at the phenomenon of backyard parties back in the day, what do you think made them so successful? Um, I think really the best part was that it was a, it showed the camaraderie um, in like the local bands and the underground scene. You know, because when bands typically played backyard parties, you know, they weren't really getting paid for it. Or if they did, it was, you know, a little bit, you know, maybe they got like free food, free drink, whatever. Um, and I think that's like what we're trying to like achieve. You know, we're, we're not trying to make money off of this. We're just trying to like have fun and, and promote the scene at the same time. Um, and, you know, I, that's what they did back then. It wasn't about making money. You know, that was it was music was the thing that was all they cared about was making music you know how do you think things are different nowadays um you know in terms of what the diy local scene or just in general what backyard parties or yeah well do you think like things are so different now that people can't relate to the old school vibe of just like i think yeah i mean I, I think that's part of it um you know, I, I, like I said, this has been growing, though. So, I mean, it, it's kind of like, a, you know, is it really different? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You know, obviously, I wasn't around in 1983 to go see Slayer and Exodus play, you know, some guy's backyard in California, you know. Um, but, at, you know, at the same time, it, it feels like that people don't really care as much in our scene not necessarily in the metal aspect, but like in just like the local scene in general of, you know, all music. It's very like, you know, people like kind of like turn their nose up at other genres and stuff. You know, there's really, there's not a lot of camaraderie. Um, you know, we have a good thing with a lot of the local bands. We're friends with them. We're good, you know, but it seems like there's also between, there's a lot of drama that happens between people. Uh, there's a lot of like competition, which mm -hmm. is just completely destroying the scene. Um, and you know, a lot of it has to just do with the way the music, the local music business is today, um, with, you know, pay to play and like stuff like the break contest where they're forcing bands to sell tickets against each other to like get like an opportunity. And it's sad because, you know, it's not, that's not what local music should be about. It shouldn't be like, oh yeah, we could sell more tickets than that guy, or we could draw a bigger crowd than that guy. It should be like, you know we're playing a show and the only guys that stuck around were the other bands and their girlfriends. You know, that's what local music is about. It's not about like, Ooh, we're going to bring a huge crowd and like, I don't care if you do or not, you know, you should be kicked off the bill, but it, that's, it's sad. Cause that's what it seems like, you know, nowadays. Oh, but Rob, listen, you can't be friends with people that are into like post gent thrash core. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't be friends with those people. I'm sorry. Th that That's just how it is. Yeah. But you know, it's 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 sad because bands have have let the the people who are exploiting the scene take over and and basically destroy it. You know, they they milk it for as much money as they can, um, and then when 
the cash cow is dry, they move on to the next genre, you know? Uh, for, like, the longest time, there there was the huge, like, you know, lo- all these local venues are booking these small thrash, like, local thrash bands, and, you know, just like, oh, you guys have to sell 50 tickets, and it's a Thursday night, and th- uh, you're gonna go on at, like, 11 p.m., so good luck, you know? And it's like, you know, dude, that's not right. You know, we're a lo- if you're a local band starting out, you're lucky if you have 50 fans. Yeah. You know, and you're lucky if you can get them out to come out even for one night, especially a weeknight, let alone, you know, it's sad because a lot of the younger bands, I feel like they know that pay for play and all that, what they're doing is bad and it's, it's wrong and we shouldn't be supporting that yet. They're so like hungry and desperate to just play shows that they'll just do it anyway. And it's like, there are other ways to play shows, you know, you could book your own shows and that's why we started the thrash bash barbecue because we got sick of of playing shows that we had to to buy half the tickets for because we couldn't sell enough, you know. We we got sick of that whole that whole scene. And that's why we we do the thrash bash and that's why we play at the meat locker because the meat locker you just you pay them x amount of money and that's it. You know, they don't make you sell tickets, they don't make you do this. You do whatever you want. You know, if you make the money back through door sales, then good. You great. You made the money back. You broke even. If you don't, you don't. You pay them some money, whatever. But it's not about like, oh, if you don't sell this amount of tickets, you're not going to play. You're out of here. Like, and that's like, that's ridiculous. That's, that's not how it should be. But what about where like you play a club and the people say, you know, if you sell over like 60 tickets, we're going to give you like three or five bucks a ticket. But then you took it, you find out about your numbers and you realize, Hey, you know, we did sell that much and we are deserving of money. And the people are like, no, no, actually uh, we counted. You, You just, you just almost made it, but you didn't. Yeah, better yeah. luck next and, and time. Th- that happens way too often. Honestly, promoters are there to promote the show. They don't do the promoting nowadays. You know, they make the bands do the promoting. They make they're they're just basically profiting off of bands. If you can't fill a venue and and have live music, and you can't fill the venue, then you should not be a promoter. You know, you're you're failed as a promoter. If you can't fill a venue up and have enough money left over to pay the bands that played and your staff then you should not be open i'm sorry it that's the bottom line because that's that would never be acceptable back in the 80s you know if if there was a venue where bands went and they didn't get paid or they were forced to sell tickets and didn't get any money from them or if they couldn't sell enough tickets they got kicked off the bill that would be that that place would be shut down it would be blacklisted no one would want to play there because yeah. the whole point of being a promoter is to promote not to just say oh we're going to take your money and then uh, go have fun. You know, we're not going to, you know, try to do anything to help you. You know, and it's it's sad. That's the way it is all of a sudden. 